Niata, hello. It's Alison here, and I'm the pastor at Sanctuary, and we're based on Peak Warren Country down in Warrnambool. Today I'm reflecting on the Sermon on the Mount, particularly Jesus' teachings on anger and desire, divorce and truth-telling. And you'll find the text in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. If I told you I'd never thought you nincompoop of someone, or even once or twice actually muttered it in anger, well, I'd be a liar. If I claimed that my eye never wandered, I'd be telling you a falsehood. If I deny that I'm an adulterer because it's not me but my husband who's divorced, I'd be playing the sort of legalistic game which Jesus doesn't seem to think much of. And if I claim that my every yes was a wholehearted promise, then let me say now, I've been known to prevaricate from time to time. So it's a bit shocking to think that, according to Jesus, I'm like a murderer, liable to judgment, and an adulterer who should rip out her own eye. I'm a weaseling woman who avoids responsibility for a sinful marriage, and my words are from the evil one. You have been warned. So, am I beyond redemption? By which I mean, did Jesus come to give us a set of stricter and less achievable rules in the law? Are we all being set up to fail? And how should we understand his teachings in the Sermon on the Mount? Well, the first thing I draw your attention to is Jesus' claim regarding the law. Don't think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets, he says. I've come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Then he talks about the importance of the law before setting down his new and higher standards. So he might hear his words as a more rigorous law, a more impossible mandate. But what is the law and the prophets, these things he will not abolish? Well, at this point, we could make a full survey of the Hebrew Bible, but that would take a very long time. Conveniently for us, however, later in this sermon, Jesus himself gives us a summary. In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this is the law and the prophets. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So the law and the prophets can be summed up as neighbourly love whether our neighbours are enemies or friends. The law and the prophets means gentleness and kindness, generosity, integrity and peace. And of course, they mean justice. Indeed, good neighbourly relations were always the purpose of the law. The Israelites had grown from a ragtag bunch of people who escaped slavery. So for hundreds of years, their lives had been regulated by slave drivers. They'd had no freedom of movement, no freedom of marriage, no freedom to buy or sell or own property, no freedom of culture, speech, religious practice, or even their thought. They'd been born and raised in a 24-7 economy, a place where unwanted children were drowned in the river, and no matter how hard people worked, they could not meet their set quotas. The leaders were violent and fickle, 
people were infinitely expendable and love and justice were in very short supply. So there on a mountain in the wilderness of freedom, God laid down the law. To a people accustomed to external regulation, God set out right relations between God and people and the land. All aspects of life were addressed so that a new community could be woven together through healthy and harmonious relationships. Now here in the Gospel according to Matthew, we're again on a mountain. And here is Jesus weaving together a new community from people who were largely excluded from the old. And while we tend to hear his words as instructions to individuals, and individuals certainly come into it, he's speaking to his disciples as a group. The yous are plural, and his teachings set down how we as a body incarnate heaven's culture right here on earth. It's not surprising then, that the things he addresses are all about relationship, conflict, desire, divorce, and broken promises. Because each of these things can tear a community apart. Not many communities can manage significant unresolved conflict. Not many can cope with unregulated desire. Not many can hold both parties of a divorce and the ongoing tension of a broken relationship. And not many can stay together through half-truths, empty promises, or regular breaches of trust. Indeed, I think almost all of us could tell a story of a church torn apart by vicious conflict, by a messy divorce, by a ruinous affair, or by a string of betrayals and lies. In this light, Jesus' words ring loud and true. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go to hell. He's referring to those organs which lead to predation, the eye, the hand, the member. For some behaviours are so destructive of community that it's better for that member to leave. But better still, to aim for reconciliation. Better to aim for self-giving love. Better to aim for the health of the community, to be mature as your heavenly Father is mature. Indeed, for the new community to thrive, we do need to be mature. And this means doing ongoing work. As I said a couple of weeks ago, we don't need to strive for God's love and grace. These are already ours. But if we want to enjoy the culture of heaven among us, there's work to be done. And this includes the movement towards self-awareness and self-regulation. What I mean is this. If we want to embody the kingdom together, then we as members need to know ourselves. We need to learn and understand what things trigger our anger. We need to notice when we become angry and learn to interrupt or sidestep it before we react. We also need to recognise what arouses our desire. 
There's nothing wrong with experiencing the flickers of desire. That's normal. But when they arise outside the bounds of a committed relationship, we must refuse to fan the flames and we must refuse to rehearse them in our minds. We don't want that fire to burn out of control. We also need to be aware of all the ways we can treat people as expendable, whether within or beyond the bounds of marriage. And if divorce is unavoidable, we need to work out just arrangements so that no vulnerable person is left behind. The new community also requires us to practice conciliation. Here Jesus places the onus not on the person who is hurt, but on the one who realises that a member of the community has something against them. So we all need to take responsibility, not just for our hurts, but for all the ways we ourselves can hurt others. We must be able to admit wrongdoing and seek peace and share in the cool balm of forgiveness. And we need to be honest with ourselves. So many of our prevarications, our half-truths and lies are about our own refusal to live in the light. They're born out of fear. They're born out of a self-protective need to hide. And they're born out of oppressive conditions where honest speech leads to punishment. We didn't grow up in slavery, but many of us grew up in families or churches where honest speech had consequences. But we no longer, I hope, live under these conditions, for we've been adopted into the new community. And so we are called to speak and act with integrity through and through, or else choose the wisdom of silence. Of course, we live in a world which hardly encourages this culture. Instead, we're told that everyone is expendable and everything exploitable and everything is probably someone else's fault. Distractions are everywhere and pretty advertisements tell us to yield to each and every impulse. In our context, self-awareness and self-regulation can seem a bit hard. And it's true. The way of love is hard. It requires effort. It requires discipline. It requires painful self-knowledge and the giving up of comfortable illusions. It requires loving people we might not choose. It requires us to know and to love ourselves. And it requires careful, honest speech. But Jesus, well, he reckons we can do it. And so do I. Because those who gather around Jesus and trust in him have been told who they already are. Jesus states it plainly at the beginning of his sermon. You are blessed. You are salt. And you are light. In other words, you got this. So let's accept our responsibilities and live with integrity and learn to manage our speech our anger and our desire, as we grow ever more fully into a community of love and justice, the community that Jesus is calling us to be. And in this community, nobody is beyond redemption. 
when truth is upheld and peacemaking prioritised, when healthy relationships are key, then good humour and forgiveness are poured out like wine, even on adulterers, even on divorcees, and even on those who mutter you nincompoop from time to time. So let's show maturity, let's nurture all our relationships, and let's share God's blessings all around. There's always more to read on our website, that's sanctuarybaptist.org. Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters, and if you'd like to support the work of this little church, you can make a donation via PayPal, and you'll find the details for this on the website. And to those who support us financially, thank you so much. It is a great encouragement, and it really helps. This reflection was prepared on the lands of the Peak Warring people of the Eastern Ma Nation. It's a land which was taken by force and has never been ceded. This week we keep flipping between heat and cold. One moment the sky is grey and glaring, the next a pure cerulean blue. Sadly, it was grey and glaring when we tried to see a comet. The first time it's been seen here for 50,000 years. And I wonder what stories have been handed down about that comet when the people who live here saw it last time. I pay my respects to elders past and present. The peace of the land be with us all. Amen. <laughs>